Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I am so happy you are here with me today. First, I have exciting news to share with you. I was recently named one of the top 10 most influential CEOs in the country by Industry Era magazine. I'm super excited to be part of it, mostly just because it highlights all of the amazing things that we are doing at Stone Age to drive change and think about equity and pay through employee ownership and disrupting our industry with new technology. Uh, it's a, a huge honor to be recognized for being influential, but really none of it would be possible without the amazing people at Stone Age who are uh, doing all the heavy lifting of making it happen and they inspire me every single day. So anyway, just wanted to share that fun news with you. Now let's get into this episode and I want to talk about setting boundaries as a team. So last week, my executive management team came together to finish up the strategic planning process. I'm really excited that because we have it done and it's clear and, and it's simple. And I think it's going to really resonate with all of our employees. And then the second day, we had uh, a team building session. And we did this team building session around Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, Brave Work, Tough Conversations, and Whole Hearts. I am, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. I love her podcasts. I want her to come on my podcast. Hopefully someday I will be able to entice her to join me for a very interesting interview. But nonetheless, I wanted my team to read this book because it really is about how we show up uh, as our whole selves and, and how we inspire others through our own journey of vulnerability and empathy and overcoming shame and how that shows up in the workplace. And if we leaders can address it and understand it and help um, our employees through it, we're creating a much more collaborative, cohesive, inclusive workplace. Now, Stone Age is already a lot of those things, but we always have room for improvement. And, uh, and I thought this book would be inspiring. And it was the conversations that we had were really quite profound as we talked through our styles and where we protect ourselves as individuals and where we want to protect our teams. And then we went through this exercise that Brene has on her website around uh, the 16 different uh, types of armored leadership. And we rated how we were doing on each of those. What were we doing very well? Uh, that was daring leadership. And what we weren't doing well, that was armored leadership. And an interesting aspect came out. A lot of the people on the executive management team labeled numbing uh, as low. And so numbing is the armored leadership piece and uh, setting boundaries and finding real comfort is the daring leadership piece. So the idea really is, is how do you go from the armored leadership part to the, to the daring leadership? So this was fascinating to me because, of course, I think of numbing as substance abuse uh, or avoiding, overeating, overexercising, doing anything that you can to really avoid having, I don't know, the difficult conversations or putting yourself out there too much or you know whatever that means for you when you just don't really like effectively draw those boundaries and say, here's what I'm OK with and here's what I'm not OK with. So in the context of how we were running our team, I found this really fascinating. And so we had this conversation around like, how do we set boundaries around the work that we do? So Stone Age is a very disruptive company. We are doing big things and we tend to take on big disruptive activities. 
And that can be overwhelming. So we have our strategic initiatives, things we're doing to change the industry. And then we have, you know, other projects that we need to get done that might not be strategic initiatives, but still very important. And then we have our day-to-day work of taking care of our customers and taking care of each other. So how do we balance all of those things and get things done and not be a company of saying no all the time? And I loved this conversation because what it did is it made us start to say, if we put boundaries around the types of things that we want to take on, the disruptive activities that we want to do and say we need to make sure that we're protecting our culture, protecting people's time away, trying to create a workplace that encourages people and inspires people to have high quality work hours for those hours that they're at work, then are we doing the right things um, as an executive management team? And so it came down to this whole idea of, you know, we're setting ourselves up to be a technology company going forward. And there are some infrastructure things that we need to get into place as we're getting ready to go through this big transformation. And so we can keep trying to drive sales and drive innovation. But if it's built on a foundation that isn't going to be able to scale with it, like, what's the point? So I asked the question, all right, well, we're going to set boundaries. Like, are we okay with maybe not growing as fast because we're going to put resources into doing some of these infrastructure projects? And it was this fascinating conversation. And we wound up talking about making sure that we put boundaries around the things that are most important to us so that we don't go after the next big thing, the next driver of revenue without making sure that we have that system in place, that infrastructure in place to really be able to scale. So I loved uh, this conversation because it wasn't what I was expecting um, to sit there and to think about, wow, do we just numb ourselves by saying yes, by just saying, yeah, I'll just take on more. We can just try to get it done or be okay with deadlines slipping, right? That is a form of numbing when you just keep chugging along, doing the same thing over and over again, instead of like really addressing, you know, what are the real issues here and how do we make things better by setting those boundaries and finding comfort in the fact that, you know, we can't get everything done and that's okay. Let's prioritize and make sure that we're working on the right things for the long-term benefit of the company. So anyway, it was uh, a really fun conversation. We talked a lot about you know, staying in the discomfort of having the tough conversations, right? Sometimes it's just easier just to brush it aside and say, yeah, I'll just deal with it later or yeah, I'll just take it on. Yeah, my team can do that or no, we're not going to do that. You know, don't talk to me about it until we're ready versus, you know, being able to stay and say, hey, what kind of trade-offs do we have to make? If we're going to set boundaries around this, are we okay with less growth? Are we okay with less profit? Are we okay with a longer timeline? Are we okay with scaling back on this really important initiative because we need to use those resources somewhere else? And my team did such a great job of sitting in that discomfort uh, and having the tough conversations and having an outward mindset about making the trade-offs that we would need to make that it was such a powerful um, uh, session and such a great use of Bernays Dare to Lead and this whole idea of armored leadership. So I just wanted to share this with you as you're thinking about your work, 
and leading your team, leading your company, and you're getting the pushback of taking on too much and can't get this done with the resources that we have. And of course, we're all constrained by resources. We can't just throw bodies at things or we can't just scale as fast as we would like. Or, you know, we're in the tough spot where maybe you can't find people to even do this work and your company is going through a dramatic shift and it just can't happen fast enough. Having this conversation around, are we just saying yes? Are we just saying no? Are we just doing because we're trying to numb ourselves from the hard conversations about trade-offs and decision-making and uh, and boundaries around the work that we do and the projects that we take on. So anyway, hopefully that is some interesting food for thought. Uh, I love this book. I highly recommend that you read it because uh, I think you'll gain a lot from it. I'm about to take my entire uh, mid-level management team through an exercise of reading it as well because it was so profound at what we were able to accomplish. And, and that was just one of the many hard things that we talked about uh, in our Dare to Lead team building session. So hopefully that is inspiring to you and makes you think about not just setting boundaries around your personal life, but really setting boundaries within the actual work and the tasks that you're doing and the power of finding comfort in those hard conversations and those hard decisions rather than just numbing by saying yes or by saying no, no by avoiding, by procrastinating, by kicking the can down the road. Okay, so my next question comes from a friend of mine who says, you always seem like you're so joyful. Can you tell me what what do you do? How do you find so much joy and happiness in life? What can I do? So I thought about it and I have five things that I think are really key to living a joyful life, even in these tumultuous times where it isn't always easy to feel happy and inspired. So the first one is move your body every day and eat healthy food. This is the easiest thing for you to be able to control. So if you don't feel well, go and get a little bit of exercise three or four times a week. That's it. And that can just be a walk outside. It's amazing how much more energy you'll feel and how much joy you'll feel when you just move your body. Have a salad every day for lunch. That's my rule. Salad every day for lunch. And I might get tired of it. I might want something different. But at least I know that I am filling my body with nutrition for one meal a day. I try to do it for every meal a day. But that salad really helps and doesn't make you tired after uh, eating. If you want to take it further, make a green smoothie for breakfast. So I blend water, ice, pineapple, spinach, carrots, and cucumbers every day. And that's what I drink in the morning. And it makes me feel so much better. I crave it. So those things are all within your control. Try to eat a little bit healthier. Try to exercise at least a few times a week, if not every day. And you can't help but feel more joy. Number two, meditate daily. And when you do, meditate on feelings of gratitude. Meditation alone is wonderful, in my opinion. But when you do it while experiencing a high level of positive emotion, you start to change how your body and mind respond. So for example, when I'm feeling anxious, I sit for 10 minutes and I meditate on the thing I'm most grateful for, my family. I conjure memories of laughing with my son, Jack, heli skiing with my husband, Ryan, downhill mountain biking with the two of them and Whistler. And then a smile spreads across my face. And then I keep those emotions front and center while I meditate. And then when I'm finished, 
I feel more joyful and less stressed. I've been practicing this way for so long now that I can do it instantaneously, switching my mindset from a negative one to a positive one. And with practice, I'm confident that you can do it too. Number three, find your purpose. I have a whole nother episode on finding your purpose. I'm going to repeat it again because I think this is really important. Purpose is not something that just suddenly appears, at least not for most. It didn't for me. It has evolved over time. It's deeply personal and it just can't be handed to you. If you're looking for purpose outside of yourself, then you're going to be searching forever. When you find your purpose, live it. And if you live it, you will be more joyful. I found my purpose through learning what I didn't want to do. I had some horrible jobs that were like, ugh, I have had unhealthy times in my life where I felt like I'm not living my purpose. And that was uh, very soul sucking, I would say. Hitting rock bottom helped me find my purpose, as crazy as that sounds, but hitting that rock bottom makes you see life can be different. Life should be different when you live with purpose. I took some risks, like moving to Durango, where I found my job with Stone Age. I joined a company where culture was a great fit. That's huge. Work well-being is so important. And having alignment with your values and company values will help you feel like you're finding your purpose and working hard. A lot of people think that purpose is, I don't know, easy. And it's not. It requires you to work. When you work hard, you get good at something. When you practice a lot, you get good at something. And then you find that you feel like you have more purpose in what you're doing. So practice, 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 and work hard. I look back through all of my years of journaling, which I've done off and on for the last 20 years, but one thread has always been there. My purpose is to be an impactful leader who helps people create more meaning in their lives. It's that simple. And I certainly have questioned my purpose along the way. I've lost it from time to time, but it always comes back, that thread of helping others, inspiring others, to find meaning in their lives, to be exceptional leaders. It's what I love to do, whether I'm parenting, running a company, advising, writing, podcasting, speaking. And as I've matured, I've realized that I can make a bigger impact through my words and my effort. So I keep practicing and defining my message, redefining my message, listening deeply, and then speaking, writing, and asking questions with clear purpose and intention. This is what brings me joy. Number four. Be kind. Numerous studies show that when someone shows you kindness, you are more likely to pay it forward. Think about it. When a person holds a door open for you and smiles warmly, you tend to want to reciprocate. The next time you find that you can hold a door open for somebody, you do it with pleasure. It feels so good to be kind. While it seems unassuming, being kind is truly powerful. Think about what we could achieve if we chose, and yes, it is a choice, to be kind to everyone we interact with, the world would immediately be a better place for each of us. Rather than feeling judged, shamed, shunned, or ignored, we would feel seen, appreciated, accepted, and respected. And since our moods and emotions tend to be contagious, we would be spreading happiness rather than yuckiness. Being kind brings joy. And finally, number five, build relationships. People with healthy relationships live longer, and they live more joyful lives. Why? Because we crave connections. Humans thrive on connections, but it takes work to build these meaningful connections. You must show respect and support and understand the impact of your actions and your words. You must listen and be curious and helpful. You must show others that you care so that they will care for you. 
Building strong relationships means that you are self-aware and that you aren't afraid to be vulnerable or to set boundaries, just like we talked about before. In the end, it all comes down to the quality of relationships you have in your life and developing good ones is worth the effort. It will bring you more joy. So those are my tips. I hope that that helps and I hope that you have a very joyful day. Please join me next week for a fun interview with my friend Amy Parsons, who is just a brilliant CEO in person. Uh, she used to run Colorado State University and now she's uh, running the startup and she has so much good insight into making significant life changes, career changes, and developing her leadership style through it. So with that, I will leave you to your day. If you like this podcast, please feel free to share it, write a review, like it, subscribe to it. That's always helpful. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.